Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and I'm sitting here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And man, I've got a great show for you guys today. If ever there was a grand poobah of permanent deacons in the United States, I've got him here today, and it's Deacon Bill Deitwig. Uh, deacon Bill, you're a, a, a permanent deacon. You've been a deacon for how many years now? Oh, just over 20. 20 years. So you've got a lot of uh, experience under your belt. And also now you uh, are a professor of theology and religious studies at St. Leo University. Now, where is St. Leo University? St. Leo is a lovely little campus just north of Tampa in Florida. Is this a new thing for you uh, in terms of being a, a teacher of all great knowledge uh, of religion? <laughs> or is that uh, something you've always done? Or Well, it's my first time in full-time academic work. I've been an adjunct professor at many places over the years. Um, but I've always been so engaged in uh, other forms of ministry and, and endeavor, including a 22-year Navy career. We all know you as permanent deacons. We all know you as, uh, why I, call, I was joking, the Grand Poobah. There's no <laughs> actual Catholic title Grand Poobah, but you would get it if there was one. Uh, but you were associated with the uh, USCCB for many years. I was. I, I was on the senior staff there as uh, director of the uh, secretariat for the diaconate for five years, and then for a number of years before that as a consultant uh, preparing the new national directory for the formation and well and we thank you for your service thank Uh, you and also i know that uh in doing that you gained all kinds of great knowledge and and you can share that kind of knowledge with us now you can spend uh, your time teaching but also uh you travel around and 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 talk to deacons and priests and and anybody who's interested in hearing about it uh some of the great parts of, of the faith especially as they focus on the diaconate that's true uh a lot of my my uh, initial knowledge was, of course, based on personal experiences I was gaining as a deacon. Um, but actually, my interest in all of this began uh, much earlier. I was uh, in high school and college, was a seminarian uh, during the time of the Second Vatican Council and the first years following the council. And I really became uh, so engrossed in that uh, because it was such a part of our lives. And that led me eventually to look particularly at the permanent diaconate, which was brought up at the Second Vatican Council. So one thing led to another. And, uh, but then the experience with working on the National Directory and then the time at the conference uh, really gave me the opportunity to travel around the world uh, with regard to diaconate. And so to hear everybody's stories and the great diversity and uh, and, and the wonderful commonality that, that the diaconate shares around the world uh, really has been phenomenal and a real blessing in our own lives. I will tell you that uh, one of the reasons why uh, I thought it would be a great idea to do a show with you is I heard a presentation you did where you basically linked the deacon and the angels. And I'm talking about the angels we all know, St. Michael, the Archangel, Gabriel, Raphael, you know, these big heavy hitter angels, the ones that do all the all the dirty work in the Bible, but all the, the beautiful, glorious uh, work as well. And I was awestruck by that presentation because I'd never seen it before. And it actually it actually gave a lot of insight into into the role, the function, the purpose of the of the permanent deacon and sort of helps us to. Uh, know our own identity, I think, if we know that that relationship. 
that presentation was was very interesting for me to prepare as well. Uh, uh, in my earlier work, I've, I've concentrated on history and theology and sacramental theology in particular and ecclesiology, all those fancy 50-cent words. Um, and the particular audience for which I was preparing this presentation had heard a lot of that. And I thought, well, what can I add? What, 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 what can I try that's a bit different? And, uh, and this notion of imagination uh, kind of stuck with me, that you know, we catch things in our popular imagination. Uh, and, and so what images uh, has our tradition given us over 2,000 years or more about deacons? Uh, what can we tell by looking at art and architecture? Uh, even when the permanent diaconate had kind of gone into a sort of a hiatus uh, in the West, uh, but that doesn't mean people stopped uh, making images and paintings and mosaics and sculpture. And I thought that might be helpful to see how, over the length of the tradition, uh, deacons have been imaged. And, and uh, it turned out it was very well received, and it was fascinating to study. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I get a lot of emails, and as you probably do as well, from men who are interested in, in discerning and pursuing the, the permanent diaconate but also from deacons who want to know more about who they are, because mm-hmm. we all know that the we all joke about how slow the church moves, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so Vatican II was really just a breath ago in church history. It just really was. That's right. It was just yesterday. That's right. Right. And so even bringing the permanent diaconate back after so many hundreds of years, um, it's it's really sort of brand new. And there's a lot of people that are kind of going, well, you know, what is this, and how does? It? And so the more we know about what a deacon is, I think, the better. And this is an, uh, an awesome opportunity, I think. So let's jump in and talk right off the bat. Let's talk a little bit about um, this idea that a- angels are presented as deacons and deacons presented as angels throughout history. Well, it's kind of amazing, I, uh, as I got into this, um, that some of the earliest images, of course, first of all, even predating Judaism, uh, the notion of a winged messenger of the gods. I mean, Plato talks about uh, Hermes and Isis as winged angels. Uh, and, and, of course, what does that have to say? Well, that has to talk about swiftness and carrying out the will of the gods and so forth. The Jewish community then, uh, you know, kind of in, on their own, but also I think in, in, at some point in dialogue with that, uh, kind of took that notion of angels because, again, the Hebrew word for, for messenger, is, you know, is, is malach. Uh, and and they kind of took that on, and right. and so we see in the Old Testament we see all kinds of references to angels. Now, what's interesting though is what happens when this becomes a Christian phenomenon, right? Uh, and of course, we are Jewish in our roots, uh, and very early on, the role of the of the angel uh, in art was to be dressed in a deacon's dalmatic, uh, off, uh, often carrying a book. Uh, such as the Book of the Gospels or something, but but again with wings uh, and clearly serving as an angel, a messenger of God, uh, and sort of tying those two sets of images you together. You know, even you point out even the the word evangelical mm-hmm. to evangelize. Evangel, right? You've got angel yeah. in there, and yeah. so uh, when a deacon is ordained, the bishop presents him a book of the Gospels, and what does he say to him? He says, "Receive the Gospel of Christ, whose herald." 
you now are. Um, yeah, hark the herald deacon sing. That's right. right that's we'll right. Start singing that at Christmas. That's right. Um, and again, this this notion of the deacon as the evangelizer. In fact, in in the year two thousand, in the jubilee year, uh, Pope John Paul II uh, gave a talk to the deacons who had assembled in Rome, and he titled his talk that deacons as are, are the apostles of the new evangelization. Uh, so the role of the deacon as evangelizer, as message carrier, as herald. Uh, is well known. But what I think the angel connection adds to that is what do we see angels doing? These angels who are often wearing dalmatics in the pictures. And one of the things, of course, for those I, who don't know, the dalmatic is the traditional the, vestment the, of the deacon. Of the deacon. Where and the priest would wear the chasuble. Mm-hmm. The deacon has the dalmatic. Basically, it's got sleeves. It's right? got That's sleeves, our- yeah, uh, which so makes it uh, pretty easy to tell us apart. And it makes it easier to discern in the artwork as well. And so, for example, the angel Gabriel uh, is often pictured uh, wearing a dalmatic. Uh, and I showed a number of those pictures. I, w- I have them here at the cafe. But yeah, I, let me hold them up to yes. the microphone. And <laughs> we have to use home. Yeah. imagination here. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, but it really is, is an interesting thing. Uh, but what else do we see angels doing? And what they seem to add to the mix is these are more than people who stand on a rooftop and proclaim a message. Uh, angels, for example, are depicted as healing, as guarding, as defending, as being advocates. I like to point out Gabriel, for example, was a great explainer of the message. Right. You know, when he appears to Mary to tell her that she's pregnant with Christ and she says, how can this be? He explains to her. Uh, what is happening and why? When he appears to Joseph to say, "Take Mary and your and your son to the, to Egypt," Joseph has doubts. And again, Gabriel explains the message, explains the word of God. Uh, so I think these these traits that we see in the angelic uh, connection are very important for for people as deacons. You mentioned things like, uh, you know, obviously speaking God's word to to mortals, right? To mm-hmm. talking to the humans and bringing the good news of salvation. Uh, uh, right, the heralds of the gospel, but also shielding, rescuing, caring for the people, uh, and even defending and smiting Israel's enemies and yeah, such in the yeah. Jewish, Jewish tradition, right? And so it's interesting to link those concepts. I think it provides a, a much fuller, I don't know, image of what the deacon is. Well, and I think what, what I found fascinating as I began doing this research was this is not you know, me as an individual uh, student uh, uh, kind of stretching to make a connection here. Uh, the artwork is quite clear uh, that throughout the history of the tradition, artists were choosing to depict angels as deacons and deacons as angels. Now, it's not that I disagreed with you or or wanted mm-hmm. to challenge you in any way, but I have to admit, when I after I'd heard your presentation, I went home, got on Google, and uh, I did a couple of image searches of angels, and I was in, uh, really impressed with your... Uh, mm-hmm. well, you, you were telling the truth, because there are so many things that it had gone past me, and it's really interesting having... I'm, you know, being a permanent deacon, you'd think maybe I w- it'd be something I would know about. But here's this angel dressed like I do at mass, mm-hmm. right? He's got the the clavi, the 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 long vertical lines that go down the the, the, the front of the dalmatic. And I thought, well, that I've never noticed that before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other part that I, I got into in the presentation uh, is, is part of the Eastern tradition. And uh, you know, as you know, we have a number of churches within the Catholic Communion. Uh, and many of those are Eastern traditions. Uh, everybody uh, kind of knows about the Eastern Orthodox, but there are Eastern Catholic 
churches. Um, And their diaconate remained much more active uh, throughout the Middle Ages than, say, the diaconate in the West. So when you look at the Eastern art and Eastern uh, worship, uh, the role of the deacon is greatly expanded there from what most of us are familiar with in the West. I love finding out about... Uh, in the Eastern liturgy, they have a second epiclesis. Uh, we have, uh, for those of you who might not be Catholic uh, listeners, uh, this is, of course, the great prayer of Thanksgiving right. uh, in which uh, the consecration occurs of, of the elements of bread and wine. Um, but there's a calling down of the Holy Spirit uh, on those gifts. But then after the consecration, there's often a reference, an epiclesis of calling down the Holy, Holy Spirit on the entire community. Uh, now that the gifts have been blessed, now the Holy Spirit fills the community. And that we sort of uh, parallel that it, from the Eastern churches as well. There's this image of, this, of the deacon with this uh, long stick with a, a round or, or some kind of fan or something. Yeah, it's, ca- it's called a fan. Uh, and, and again, the, in some of the Eastern churches, the deacon is the one who holds that fan. And, and the writers I consulted uh, made reference to the fact that that was to represent the fluttering of angels' wings in the sanctuary of heaven. Uh, and what was going on in the liturgy on earth that was to reflect the liturgy going on in heaven. And so the deacon is, again, playing the role of the angel. Um, the fact that in Eastern churches there is a beautiful thing known as an iconostasis, which is a, a wall uh, separating the altar area from the nave, the people, uh, and it has doors in it that are opened and closed throughout the service. Well, what's interesting is there are royal doors in the center, but on either side of those royal doors, through which the deacon passes repeatedly, are called the deacon doors. And in some of those churches, they're also called the angel doors. But the icons on the rest of the iconostasis are usually of Christ uh, or Mary, and or Mary. Uh, but for the deacon doors, it's always either a deacon or an angel. Uh, and that's what signifies the deacon. So again, this connection between the deacon and angels is even more explicit in the Eastern traditions. Uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. That sounds wonderful. And there's more to be talked about here. Uh, we we're going to take it a little further in terms of what that means for the permanent deacon, what we should take from that. But before we do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And I'd love to hear from you. I want you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, and with the help of St. Michael the Archangel, uh, we'll be back in a minute. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. For someone new to the Catholic Church and the veneration of the saints, the invocation of St. Michael can be a bit of a surprise. After all, most of the saints were people living on the earth at one time. Indeed, the saints are those who died as martyrs to the faith or who have lived lives of heroic virtue. But St. Michael was never a human being. In fact, he is an angel, a messenger of God. Yet St. Michael is more than that. He is an archangel, one of only three who are named in Holy Scripture. St. Raphael, the companion and healer of Tobias, St. Gabriel, who announced the births of St. John the Baptist and of our Lord, and St. Michael, the commander of the heavenly hosts. In the Old Testament, St. Michael is mentioned twice in the book of Daniel, where he is called the Prince of the Jewish People. 
In the New Testament, he is mentioned once in the letter of Jude, a letter written to encourage the early Christians to contend for the true faith in the face of false teachers. In Jude, we find an allusion to the ancient Jewish tradition that St. Michael contended with Satan for the body of Moses. Finally, in the book of Revelation, St. Michael is featured as the commander of the heavenly host in the great and final battle against the dragon. Many older Catholics will remember that at one time, a special prayer to St. Michael was added to the end of Mass. Pope Leo XIII directed this prayer to be said as the result of the loss of the temporal sovereignty of the Holy See. In 1929, when Vatican City was created, the intention of these prayers was changed to that of the tranquility and freedom of the Russian people. Still today, many Catholics have maintained a strong devotion to St. Michael and to Pope Leo's prayer. They can still be heard reciting the prayer to St. Michael following the recitation of the rosary, at any form of temptation, or at the conclusion of the Tridentine Mass. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth, sitting here with <laughs> Deacon Bill of Dightwig. Uh, is this too luxurious for you? Are you used to all oh, this luxury? I'm, I'm not used to this. This well, is you wonderful. Spent many years this in the is, Navy. This is probably this is really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could probably sleep in a, in a luxurious <laughs> corner booth like this. Well, we're going to continue on with our discussion of deacons and angels and uh, the fact that, that in a, many ways, they're interchangeable. Some, mm-hmm. of, some aspects of, of both are shared. And uh, I wanted to point out some of the things that you had brought uh, in this presentation you had given earlier, uh, especially in scriptural references to uh, what the angels were doing. Well, uh, probably one of the ones that I I particularly uh, uh, like, uh, the famous passage of Jesus being tempted in the desert. And and at the end of his temptations, uh, and for example, Matthew 4, uh, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Yeah, we've all heard that passage. Yeah, it's a famous passage. We hear it, read it again in, in Mark uh, chapter 1, and the angels were ministering to him. Uh, the interesting thing is that when you look at the original Greek, uh, the, the verb diakonein is used. And so, I mean, technically you could say, and the angels came and deaconed him. Yeah. Now, diakonia obviously means service and ministering to him is fine. But the interesting thing here that I, the point that I was trying to make is when artists chose to depict this scene, they would often show the ministering angels dressed in deacon's vestments. Uh, so they had made a connection uh, that you know what the angels were doing was diaconal service, diaconal ministry. When you look at art, especially the traditional art of the church, you can really see that these artists 
they in themselves were theologians, right? Mm-hmm. They were they had these concepts that weren't always things that you would you would try to explain in in, in human language. Exactly. They would use the mind's eye, the imagination, as you're talking about, mm-hmm. it, and they would help you to get the point. Well, Saint Anselm's famous the, the description of theology as faith seeking understanding. You know, you're trying to find ways of expressing this faith and comprehending it better. Well, artists do exactly that. Uh, they try to help us comprehend and maybe in nonverbal ways. Uh, you know, it's wonderful to use words, and I've written books and everything, but at the same time, an artist has to do that same kind of thing. And I think it's significant that uh, artists throughout the 2,000 years of the tradition have chosen to use these kinds of images and connect them. So as a man who's discerning the diaconate, as uh, a man who's being formed in the diaconate, and as a man who's a deacon, now we see this connection. We see that uh, ancient art, architecture, etc., and, and the early church has always said, well, angels, deacons, deacons, angels. In our modern day now, as we're trying to figure out who we are and, and what role we have in the church as a permanent deacon, what do we gain from this? One of the toughest things, I think, in the, since in the renewal of the permanent diaconate after the Second Vatican Council has been how to define or describe the term service. Uh, deacons are not ordained to the priesthood, but to service. Well, service in English in particular, but actually in most languages, is a real problematic term these days. I mean, I get I get good or bad service here at the cafe. Right. Uh, oh, take, no, no, no. Only uh, good we service. We always get some good service here. Uh, I take my car into the garage. I might get good or bad service. Uh, you know, so we use service in so many different ways. So how does that help us uh, as we try to understand the nature of our service? Um, and for years, I think we have made ready use of sort of this uh, pantheon of deacon saints that we have. Uh, St. Lawrence of Rome, for right. example, and who's a great uh, model. Turn uh, me over, I'm done on this turn side. Turn <laughs> I'm over, I'm done. You know, there's a certain sense of humor in deacons, right. and Lawrence captures it. I think he was the original one that had that, that sense of humor. But I think now, if, if by seeing this connection with angels, uh, to go in and say, well, what were they doing? Uh, so when we look at the Michael uh, or Raphael, who, and again, Raphael in Hebrew means God heals. And what do we see Raphael doing uh, in the book of Tobit? Uh, we see him healing. Uh, we see him guiding. We see him leading uh, in, in throughout that whole story. Uh, we see Michael defending, but not just in battle. We see Michael defending by being an advocate, a, a lawyer, if you will. Um, uh, we see Gabriel, as we talked about before, proclaiming but explaining and teaching uh, at the same time. So I think these are also good models and can add to this sense of what service means for the deacon. Perhaps we can expand our uh, our vision a bit, uh, our imaginations a bit to say, uh, not that we're all angels. And I, it, I, oh, listen, I uh, know many uh, deacons uh, who will have a problem with this idea of yeah, wearing a halo. That's right. <laughs> well, what was funny uh, for your listeners perhaps to know is uh, the presentation uh, when I gave it, of course, was to a group of deacons, and most of whom were married and had their wives with them. And, and uh, of course, it was quite humorous to see the wives uh, yeah, dealing with the fact that you know, my <laughs> husband is no angel. Uh, and we know that. But one of the beautiful things about that, though, was just the image or the idea. You know, when when as a deacon, 
and you're in service of the church, in service um, assisting the bishop, and and, uh, and also just uh, loving the people of God, and we do what we do because we're deacons, right? It's really great to have that sort of order of deacon, that we have this sort of band of brothers, to use a mm-hmm. sort of a military idea, mm-hmm. and, and that, we're, that we're gathered together in like cause and like ministry, and we, we gain strength from each other. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so beautiful, this concept, this idea that while we're sort of arm in arm, right, in between each of us is, a, is an angel, mm-hmm. right? And, and the likes of, of Michael the Archangel yeah. and those, and that's some powerful company. It is. It is. And, and, you know, again, people say frequently here in the West that, you know, the diaconate, as you said at the very beginning, is, is kind of a new thing. It's a new idea. It's kind of, we, it was kind of out of our imaginations for a long time. People are still struggling a little bit to figure out how does the deacon fit in. Yeah, what do we call him? How does he dress? How do we dress? Do we, yeah. and, you <laughs> exactly. know, well, I'm glad we have deacons because we don't have enough priests. And, that, right. you know, that's not the issue. And, and yet what, what I found affirming was that here we have a 2,000-year tradition of art that reflects deacons. And, and reflects a, you know, kind of a sense of who we might be uh, and, and how we were perceived within the life of the church for centuries. You know, uh, and that's also interesting you'd pointed out that even when the, the permanent diaconate had pretty much disappeared mm-hmm. as an order from the church for hundreds and hundreds of years, still this artwork was, was taking place. It's going place. on. Exactly right. So exactly the concept right. has always been there. Yes. And so even though the permanent diaconate, you know, renewed is is new again it's it's an ancient mm-hmm. an ancient uh, traditional thing that's always been part of the church yeah and i think it's important for your your listeners to realize i mean it, and it's it's there in complementarity with the priesthood uh, not as something necessarily uh, always subordinate to it the original insight was that deacons were the ministers to the bishops uh and if the bishop has a need for deacons to be serving in parishes, serving for pastors, then that's what we do. At the same time, deacons are often these days uh, appointed chancellors of dioceses or do other roles uh, for the bishop. So, again, it's 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 kind of exciting to be part of the uh, this this renewed understanding of this kind of service. And so, obviously, then as deacons, we're we're called to go and be angelic in the sense, not that we have little halos on our head. But that we're doing those 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 functions that the angels did for God Almighty all through the scriptures. We're called to do those same things. You you mentioned uh, healing. Mm-hmm. We heal as deacons. We're we're there to console. We're there to help. We're there to explain. From the beginning, we see angels as as swift messengers. The the wings indicating swiftness, uh, and the uh, that that we respond quickly with enthusiasm and passion. Uh, not only to proclaim the word in itself, but to, to enact it, to enable it, to empower that word to take root. Um, and again, what a set of functions we see from the angels uh, themselves as they do that and can be good examples for, for the entire church. Well, Deacon Bill Dightwig, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Thanks. We are certainly going to have to have you back. Anytime. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we'll do some more. I stuff love with this you. booth. I love now, this. Now I know yeah. that uh, you are uh, someone who likes to do what you do. You like to talk about the diaconate. You like to build it up and help people, maybe to gain a little more insight and understanding about that. Um, is this something you would you do where you would might travel to other dioceses to, to All the visit time. them? All the time. And now if someone wanted to get in touch with you. Email is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, Bill Dightwig, B-I-L-L-D-I-T-E. W-I-G at msn.com. He's a wonderful resource. We really appreciate it. Let's close in prayer. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you sent your angels as the heralds of the good news of your plan of salvation for all mankind, but also as guardians, rescuers, healers, and protectors. Help us to recognize in the deacons of your church those angelic qualities which aid in their threefold ministry of word, sacrament, and charity. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at The Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>